Well, hello, Oikos family. It is so good uh, to be with you, even though we're only with you virtually. Uh, we have missed you and uh, look forward to being reunited with you, hopefully really soon. Um, but it has been a joy uh, to go with you on a journey through the book of Ephesians. And as we are talking about what it means to build a community in Christ, you know, several years ago, uh, the European Union um, did a survey uh, regarding loneliness. And what they found was that the UK, and this is the phrasing they used, that the UK was the lonely capital of Europe. That more people in the UK self-identify as lonely than any other country in Europe. Think about that. And interestingly enough, the, the largest uh, demographic that self-identified as lonely was between 18 and 45. Uh, we live in a culture, we live in a country, we live in a time where people are desperate for community. People are desperate to be part of something bigger and beyond themselves. In fact, people are looking for family. And what we find as we come to the, uh, the book of Ephesians is we see what it means to build a community, to build the family of God. Uh, and so uh, the book of Ephesians uh, kind of divides, if you will, into two parts. Uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about our relationship with God. Uh, those who know and love Jesus and follow him, those Christians, it's about our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then as we get to chapters 4, 5, and 6, it's about how we then relate to one another. And so I, I would think of it this way. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 kind of lay the foundation for what it means to be a community of faith, what it means to be the family of God. And then uh, chapters 4, 5, and 6 uh, kind of then flesh out what that looks like. How, how do we relate to one another in our homes and in the workplace? And as we gather to worship Jesus, what does that look like? And so where we find ourselves uh, this, this evening is in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. And we're going to conclude that first section about, about laying the foundation of a community of faith. It's our relationship with God. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 14. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a new confidence that we have as the people of God. And it's confidence through prayer. Um, the Apostle Paul is, is going to show you and I that this foundation of community, this foundation of the family of God is built on our relationship with him. And then here in chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, he's going to show how prayer is a key part of that relationship with God and actually our relationship with one another. And so Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Now, uh, my translation may be a little different than yours. I'm actually going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, which uh, we're going to put on the screen for you. But I think it really um, encompasses uh, what Paul is saying here in a really nice way. So this is Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. And the Apostle Paul writes this. Now, when I think of all of this, now let's stop for a minute. What he's referring to, he's referring to what he's written before about how we relate to God and what that looks like. He says, when I think of all of this, 
I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Now your roots will grow down deep into God's love, and these will keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love for us. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him, to Jesus in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you, Jesus, that your word is alive and it is true. And we thank you, Jesus, that, that you have given us a community of faith that you have given us a family of faith and, and that in this community, in this family of faith, we find the answer to loneliness. Uh, we find the answer to identity. We find the meanings and purposes in life as we come to know you through your people. And Jesus, we thank you that in and through this is the beautiful gift of prayer. And so we pray that in these next few moments, Lord, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you might open our minds and help us to understand more about prayer. Uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would soften our hearts and make us responsive to the word that you would have for us. And, and Lord, may we walk away from this message on prayer, not with a sense of guilt or a sense of duty, but may we walk away from this time together in your word, encouraged and excited about the beautiful gift of prayer. So speak to us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit and through your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we see here in Ephesians um, this amazing passage. And, and uh, to some of us, it might be quite a familiar passage, particularly the blessing in, in verses 20 through 21. But we find here Paul talking about this foundational gift of prayer. And, and so uh, before we launch into it, uh, just a quick reminder, what, what is prayer? And, and maybe you're like me, maybe you didn't grow up in church, maybe you don't, uh, didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so maybe prayer is something new to you. And, and just as a real simple reminder, prayer is simply a conversation with God. Now think about that, prayer is simply a conversation with God. Just like you would have a conversation with, with a close friend, a close family member, someone who's important to you, someone you love, and someone who loves you, uh, that feels natural and it feels healthy and good to have a nice conversation with, with someone you care about. Uh, just to have a catch-up, uh, we, we've been in America now for, goodness, I think going on eight months, much longer than we had intended. And boy, there's nothing like the blessing of just catching up with people, whether it's 
on FaceTime or on the telephone and, and just to hear someone's familiar voice or see their face. Oh, it's a precious thing to have a conversation with those around you who you love and who love you. And, and I want us to view prayer in that way, that prayer is this beautiful conversation with a God, a God who loves you and who cares about you and enjoys catching up with you, enjoys catching up with me, a, a God who wants to speak to us. Prayer is, is not just us talking to God, but it's God speaking to us, and it's this beautiful conversation. And So whenever you hear me use the word prayer, and when we see it here, I just want you to think with me, talking to God. Uh, the, the Bible says that Jesus is a friend who's closer than a brother. Think about that. Uh, praying to Jesus is like talking to your best friend. The Bible says that he's our heavenly father. Uh, talking to Jesus is, is like speaking to a perfect dad who loves you more than you could ever imagine. And so uh, prayer is this beautiful conversation, but don't miss this. We're going to see it in a minute. It's also a beautiful gift. It, it, it's a conversation, but it's a gift. And what I mean by that is this. It's a gift that God has given us that we can talk to him whenever we want. Think about that. I mean, uh, there, there are loads of people I'll never get to speak to. I'll, I'll never get to speak to the President of the United States or, or the Queen of England. I, I just don't have access to just speak to people in that kind of sphere of, of reality. And yet, we have this amazing gift of prayer where I can speak, you can speak, to the Creator God of the universe anytime you want. Doesn't matter. Morning, evening, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter who you're with, whenever you and I want, we can speak to the God who spoke everything into existence out of nothing. That's pretty amazing. Like, I, I can't even get an audience with my MP, and yet I can speak to this God who created everything. And so prayer is a gift, but uh, it, it's a gift from God to us, but we're going to see this particularly today, that it's a gift that we can give to others. It's a gift we can give to others. And what I mean by that is this. It's, it's the gift of praying for other people, and it's foundational to the community of faith. It's, it's foundational to the family of faith that we pray for one another. You know, I've caught myself sometimes saying things like, you know, I hear that someone's got bad news and, and you know, maybe, maybe they've lost their job and, and, and I'll catch myself saying things like, well, I guess all we can do is pray. And boy, I just realized, like, like as if that's not enough. Like, what am I thinking all we can do is pray? Maybe I should think all we should do is pray. Like, like I can go talk to God about someone losing their job, or I can talk to God about the health report that someone received, or I can talk to God about a family that needs healing and wholeness. I, I can talk to God about a, a child who's struggling. Like, we can talk to God on behalf of one another. How amazing that is. Uh, think of it, think of it in, in these terms. Uh, I, I'll tell you one way I know I could meet the queen, for sure. I could meet the queen if... Me and William were best mates. Now, if, if Prince William and I were best mates, I guarantee you I would meet the queen eventually. Why? Uh, not because of who I am, but because of the friendship I have with her grandson. Now, watch this. Uh, we can pray for one another. And it's a gift because we can bring one another into the throne room of God. So, you know what, Lord, I, I just want to bring my friend here. 
Andy, and I just want to bring Andy to the throne room of God. And by the way, when we pray for unbelievers, that's exactly what we do. Because they're, they're not in the throne room. And when I bring them before God, boy, I'm bringing this unbeliever, and I'm coming and I'm bringing them spiritually into the throne room of God's grace. And say, Lord, you know, this is, um, th this is my friend, and, and, and Lord, he doesn't know you, but I'm, I'm coming and I'm bringing him before you, Lord, and I want to ask that you would work in his life. What an amazing gift I've just given. And so uh, with all of that in mind, I want us to uh, quickly, we're just going to see uh, four truths about praying for one another. Now remember, this is in the context of the community of Christ and, and how we relate to God, but how we relate to one another. And we're going to see four simple truths about what it means to pray for one another. Number one, we see this. That as the church, when we pray for one another, uh, we, we pray for one another that we might experience the posture of prayer. As the church, we pray for one another that we might experience the posture of prayer. Uh, look at verses 14 and 15. Uh, Paul writes this. When, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Now, don't miss this because it's, it's really special. He says, when I think of who God is, and when I think of all that God has done, in, in chapters 1, chapters 2, he says, it is, it is by faith, by grace, through faith that we're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. I mean, these amazing truths that God saves us, and he loves us. And Paul says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. As the church, we pray for one another that we might experience the posture of prayer. Now, in, in Paul's day, it was extremely uncommon for religious leaders and teachers to bow when they prayed. In fact, Jesus kind of lets us know when he's describing the Pharisees that, in fact, kind of the exact opposite that the Pharisees, and if you remember, they were like the super religious people of the day. They were kind of like the super vicars, if you will. And, and he says that the Pharisees would stand on the street corner and they would lift their hands in the air and they would pray really loud out loud so that everyone would see them and hear them. And, and Jesus says their goal was to impress people. So you might be walking down the street and there's a Pharisee standing on the street corner and he's dressed really nice, his hands in the air, he's praying really loud and you walk by and go, wow, that guy can really pray, right? And Jesus says that that's not how prayer works. Uh, Jesus says that prayer is a posture of humility. That prayer, he, Jesus uses kind of the illustration of a closet. He says, we don't do it to impress other people. No, we, 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 we don't do it in a way to try to get honor or glory for ourselves, but we humble ourselves and, and we hide away and pray. Now, Jesus isn't saying we shouldn't pray out loud in front of others, but here's what Jesus is getting at. He's talking about prayer is not what we do on the outside, but prayer is about our attitude on the inside. See, religious leaders in that day, it was very rare to bow because bowing is, is a physical representation of humility. When, when you bow to someone, you, you are acknowledging uh, not just their greatness, but, 
but in a way their greatness above you and over you. And so here's Paul, by the way, who was a religious leader, who was a, a, a lawyer, he was a solicitor and a religious leader. He was all of these things. And look what Paul says. He says, I fall to my knees. Now, I don't want us to get hung up on how we pray. Remember, it's a conversation with God. And so you can pray, you can get on your knees, you can stand, you can sit. But, but here's the thing. What God is concerned about most, again, is not what you and I do on the outside, but it's about who we are on the inside. And, and uh, as the church, when we pray, we experience the posture of prayer. In other words, prayer keeps us humble. Uh, prayer is an acknowledgement uh, of the truth that God is God and I'm not. See, when I come to God and say, God, I, I can't fix this. Lord, will you fix it? God, I, I can't change this. Will, will you change it? God, I, I can't provide. Will you provide? It, it is me acknowledging that, that I'm not God and I have no control over this. And, and God, I need you to work because you and you only can change this situation. And so uh, prayer, watch this, as we think about us as the community of faith, praying for one another keeps us humble. By the way, something I've learned is if, if maybe you're struggling with someone, maybe you're upset with someone, the best thing you can do is pray for them because it will keep you humble. It will keep your heart soft towards them. And so uh, as the church, we pray for one another that we might experience the posture of prayer. We want to be people of humility. We, we want to be people of unity. We want to be people of kindness and gentleness. And, and as we pray for one another, it helps us do that. And so as we pray, we experience the posture of prayer, humility. But secondly, uh, we see this, that as the church, we pray for one another that we might experience the power of prayer. Uh, when we pray for one another, when we lift one another, when we bring one another to Jesus spiritually, we experience the posture of prayer, humility. But secondly, we experience the power of prayer. Look at verse 16. It's so good. He says, and I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, and watch this, with power through his spirit in your inner being. I pray that out of his, God's glorious riches, that God may strengthen you it's with his power through his spirit in your inner being. What an amazing thing. So as we pray for one another, we experience the, the humility of Jesus, the posture, right? And by the way, did Jesus humble himself in prayer? Yeah, you think of the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus humbles himself to the Father and says, not my will, but, but yours be done, right? And so uh, we assume the humility of Jesus, but look at this. We experience the power of Jesus. Uh, when you look at your Bible, there are two really good words here. Strengthen and power. Strengthen and power. And uh, this would have originally been written by Paul in Greek. And, and um, in the Greek, it literally means this. Abundant, miraculous, wonder-working power. Abundant, miraculous, wonder-working power. Now listen to the verse again. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, God may strengthen you with his abundant, miraculous, 
wonder-working power through His Spirit in your inner being. How great is that? He's saying God has placed, if, if listen, if you know Jesus and you love Jesus and you're following Jesus, He says He has placed in you by His Holy Spirit His abundant, miraculous, wonder-working power. The Greek word there is for power is dunamos. It's where we get our English word dynamite. Dynamite is powerful, right? It, it has the ability to bring down buildings, to turn boulders into rubble, right? And so he says that inside of you and me, he has placed his abundant, miraculous, wonder-working power. And the Bible says that, that through the strength of Jesus, we can do all things, right? That through the strength of Jesus, we can do all things. And so as we pray for one another, we experience the posture of prayer, humility, but we also experience the power of God. And, and, and I'll just confess to you, I long to experience the power of God, but I don't spend the time in prayer to make it happen. I just, man, I confess that. Like, I want to experience the power of God, but oftentimes I don't spend the time in prayer to make it happen. It's, it's kind of like I want to lose weight, but then I eat cake, right? Like, those two won't work together. And what we see here, and we see it over and over in Scripture, is there's this link between prayer and the power of God, and particularly when God's people pray together. In the book of Acts, it'll talk about you know, God's people praying, and the very walls begin to shake. It'll talk about God's people praying, and prison cells shake, and, and chains break, and prisoners are set free. Like when God's people come together, and we pray, like it, it, God shows up, and there is power. You know what it, it requires? Prayer, and, and, and sometimes it requires sacrifice. In fact, probably not just sometimes, but most times, it requires sacrifice. And it's not easy, is it? It's not easy, and sometimes it's in the midst of difficulties that we experience the power. It's in the midst of difficulties. Um, uh, I had a relative who worked, uh, worked for a gym, uh, Gold's Gym, if you've ever heard of that brand, and he worked for Gold's Gym. And I remember uh, talking to him one day after working out for one of the first times ever and saying, man, I'm just really sore. Like, did I do something wrong? And, and he began to explain to me what probably a lot of you already know. And, and that is when you lift weights, when you exercise, the reason you're sore is because on a microscopic level, you actually do damage to your muscle. And, and that's why you rest between workouts because it allows your muscle to heal. And that process of damage and healing, damage and healing is what creates strong muscles. Think about that. Damage and healing is what creates strong muscles. And, and see, for me, I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes I, I don't view uh, difficult circumstances in that way. I, I don't view lockdown and COVID as, as, you know what, this is the damage, but God, when you bring healing, I'll be stronger. I don't view bad news from the doctor and say, Lord, that's the damage, but you're going to bring something good out of it and I'll be stronger. Uh, Lord, I didn't expect this to happen at work, but, but it's damage, but you're going to bring good out of it. Romans 8, 28, he's working all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so, Lord, help me to see this damage as the first step into you making me stronger. Damage and healing. And aren't you thankful we have a healing God 
I'm a healing God. And so strength through prayer, and, and it doesn't mean that everything's always easy. In fact, sometimes our deepest, most powerful prayers are in the midst of the greatest hurt, and the greatest struggle. Man, just never lose sight that, that, that God's bringing you through that storm. And as we pray and as we have a posture of humility, we will experience the power of God and he will make you stronger. So the Apostle Paul says that he had some type of ailment, some type of physical ailment. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he said, I prayed and I, I called out to the Lord and I asked the Lord three times to take it from me. And the Lord said, no, I'm not going to take it. But this is what Jesus told him. He said, Paul, my strength, my strength, my abundant, miraculous, wonder-working strength will be in you and made perfect in your weakness. And the Apostle Paul says, okay, if that's the case, then leave it, that I might know the power of Jesus. When we pray for one another, we experience the power of Jesus, and it is wonder-working. You know the most amazing thing that prayer does? It changes us. It changes the people we're praying for, and it makes us more like Jesus and makes us stronger. Uh, when we pray for one another, we experience the posture of prayer, the power of prayer. But thirdly, we see this church, that as the church, we pray for one another, that we might experience the passion of prayer. We uh, see the posture, the power, but now watch this. We experience the passion of prayer. Uh, look at verse 17. and uh, Well, verse 18, actually. Look what he says here. Verse 18. He says that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Listen to that again. That you may have the abundant, miraculous, wonder-working power together with all the Lord's holy people. Remember, this just isn't about us. This is about the community of faith, together with all the Lord's holy people, that we might grasp, lay hold of, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That word know means not to just intellectually understand it, but to experience it, and to experience the love of Jesus that surpasses knowledge. In other words, I can't understand it. It's so good. It's so amazing. that We experience the passion of Jesus, and it's this love. Look, he says, the love of Jesus for us as people. And that's what Jesus was passionate about. Uh, remember, uh, once uh, one of the religious leaders came to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, if you took the, the whole, everything God said and boiled it down to one thing, what, what would be the most important thing? Jesus said, easy. If you take everything in the Bible, if you take every word in this book, and you boil it down to one thing, Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then Jesus said there's a second thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said you take this book and you condense it down to two sentences. Love God love others. Love God and love others. It's, it's what we're called to do. 
It's, it's the great commandment and the great concern. The great commandment is that we love God because he first loved us. And, and that's the great commandment, love God. But then the great concern is to love my neighbor as myself. And, and if you'll remember, the, the scholar says, well, Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells the parable uh, of the Good Samaritan. And, and, and the point of that story is everyone's your neighbor. Whether you like them, whether you don't like them, doesn't matter their skin color, doesn't matter their gender, doesn't matter their culture, doesn't matter their finances. He says, our neighbor is anyone we encounter. And so this is the passion of Jesus. In fact, this is what we know in the Bible, that the love of God is so amazing, so generous, so wonderful, so sacrificial, it is better and more beautiful than words can describe. Now look at that again. The love of God, the love of Jesus is so amazing and so generous and so wonderful and so sacrificial. It is better and more beautiful than words can describe. And Jesus was passionate about loving his heavenly father. But Jesus was passionate about loving those around him. And there are times in the Bible where it says they would bring all of the sick and all of the demon-possessed. Everyone in town would come. And Jesus turned no one away. Jesus turned no one away. Think about that. Why? Because his passion was to obey his heavenly Father and to love those around him. And as we pray, we experience the humility of Jesus we experience the power of Jesus, but we experience the passion of Jesus. As we talk to our Heavenly Father, just as Jesus did, and as we pray for one another and, and reach out to help one another through prayer, we love one another. Uh, I mean this with all sincerity. One of the most loving things we could ever do for another person is to pray for them. Think about that. One, one, of, the, one of the most loving things you and I could ever do for another person is to pray for them. It says they brought everyone in the town to Jesus. We know what? When we pray for one another, we're bringing one another to Jesus. And so uh, through prayer, we experience the posture, the power, the passion. But then finally, guys, we see this, that as the church, we pray for one another that we might experience the prosperity of Jesus. Uh, we experience the posture the power, the passion, but finally, we experience the prosperity of Jesus. Look at verse 19. And Paul says this. He, 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 he writes a blessing over the community of Christ. He says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Uh, Paul says this, when we pray for one another, it's not just about passion and power and posture, but listen, it is about prosperity. Now you hear me closely. We're not talking about uh, private jets and yachts and money in the bank. That's rubbish. That's hay, wood, and stubble. All of those things are things that can rust, sink, or be stolen. What we're talking about is eternal treasure, right? The Bible says lay up your treasure in heaven 
where the moth doesn't eat and the thief doesn't steal, the rust doesn't destroy. We're talking about real prosperity, and that is uh, knowing and enjoying Jesus. He says that you experience the love of Christ. He says you, you, you'll never fully understand it. It's too good. It's almost like eating something, uh, eating, eating something that is so delicious you can't explain it to someone who's never eaten it. It's almost like going and viewing something, maybe the Grand Canyon, maybe high in the mountains, but it's seeing something that is so beautiful, you can't experience it. You, you can't explain it to someone who's never seen it. He says, look, the love of Jesus is so amazing, we'll never fully grasp it, we can never fully explain it, but we sure enough can enjoy it, right? We sure enough can enjoy it. And he says, may you experience this love, and then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God, not from the world. And then he says, now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty, and here's that word again, abundant, miraculous, wonder-working power, at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Imagine for yourself your perfect life. Like if, if you could just take a piece of paper and just say, if, if my life was perfect by the way I define perfection, this is what it would look like. And whatever you write on that piece of paper, God's perfect plan for your life makes that look like rubbish. God's plan for your life is better than you could ever imagine. It's greater, it's deeper, it's better. It will give you more joy than you thought possible. It will give you more satisfaction than you thought imaginable. It will give you more, uh, uh, it'll just give you everything. Why? Wow. Remember, Jesus said it's like a spring of water that just starts flowing out of us and never stops. We experience the prosperity of Jesus. And Jesus knew it. He said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. Jesus knew the joy and the contentment and the security and the love and the compassion and the community that only comes by knowing the Father. As we close, I would just say this. Boy, at Oikos, we want to be a people who as we build a community of faith, as we build the family of God, we want to be people of prayer. And again, listen to me. This isn't about making any of us feel guilty. It's not about pray more, do better. No, 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 no. Because if we do that, we miss the point. The point is enjoying God and the world he's created in the same way that Jesus did. Let me say that again. Prayer is as we communicate with God. It is enjoying God and enjoying the world he's created just like Jesus did. And so as we pray, let us be humble and let us be reminded that, that all good things come from God and, and we have what we have and we are who we are because of him. Uh, let us uh, experience the power, the wonder-working power of God in us and through us and through our community of faith. Let us be passionate about the things Jesus was passionate about Jesus was passionate about obedience to the Father and loving those around him. And guys, let's, let's be passionate like Jesus. Let's be passionate about following the Father and loving the people of North Birmingham. 
But then finally, I know as we do these things, we will experience the prosperity of Jesus, of the fullness of God that goes beyond what we could ever think, ask, or imagine. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, thank you for your word. And thank you for this gift of prayer and that in prayer, Jesus, we experience you, but we also experience loving and supporting and encouraging one another. And Lord, we ask that you would make us a people of prayer. And again, not uh, that we might brag, not that we might feel our, our relationship with you is better off because of it, but, but Lord, help us to be people of prayer because we love you and we want to spend time with you and we want to serve one another in this way. And so would you stir in all of our hearts that we might become people of prayer. We ask in Jesus' name.